Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. Hello once again everyone. title of this Truth Talk is Before the Lamp of God Goes Out. Now that title may sound a little strange, but its meaning will become clear as we go through this. What's important to note is this article is a message not only for disciples of the Lord Jesus, although it's primarily for them, but it is also for and to any non-believer who might read it. So it would be good for you to share it maybe with folk who don't yet know the Lord Jesus Christ, for it's an important and an urgent message. But before we can get to the kernel of the message, we need to peel back the husk a little bit. So that's what I want to do now. The other day someone phoned me to ask about 1 Samuel 3 verse 3. That's a text which uses the words, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. So I explained what I thought the phrase probably meant. But before I elaborate and tell you what I told that person, let me first put that one little text into the context of the fuller passage. It's 1 Samuel 3 verses 1 through 5. And it reads as follows. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the tabernacle of the Lord where the Ark of the Covenant was. And then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. So Samuel's mother, whose name was Hannah, accompanied her husband every year to Shiloh, where the tabernacle was located at that time, to offer up their annual sacrifices to Yahweh. Hannah was barren, and she prayed earnestly every time she went to Shiloh. She prayed earnestly that Yahweh would grant her a child. One year she prayed with great anguish and told the Lord that if he granted her a son, she would dedicate the son's life to serve at the tabernacle. Well, they went home after that and Hannah soon fell pregnant. And when her son was born, she named him Samuel. You see, that sounds like the Hebrew for heard of God. God had heard her. Once she had weaned the baby, she took him up to Shiloh and presented him to the priest, Eli. And when he had grown into a healthy boy there, he served as Eli's assistant. Now, some commentators teach that the priests kept the lamp of God in the tabernacle burning 24-7, all the time. But you know, this would make a bit of a nonsense of this text that I've read to you, a bit of nonsense of the words, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, because that signified that it was still dark, that it was not yet light. The lamp hadn't been put out yet. Well, if you go back to the original divine instructions concerning this lamp, you'll find that in Exodus 27 verses 20 to 21. It's pretty clear, to me at least, that the priests were to keep the lamp alight from evening until the next morning. In other words, through the hours of darkness. But there's a deeper meaning here. You see, the tabernacle contained several significant furnishings, one of which was a seven-armed golden lampstand called the menorah. The meaning of this Hebrew word menorah means 
bearer of light. And its translators sometimes refer to it as the lamp of God. Over the centuries, both Jews and Christians have debated the symbolic meaning of this menorah. To the Jews, it's always stood as the light of God's truth and glory through them, the Jewish nation, as the covenant people. They refer back to the prophet's words in Isaiah 60 and Isaiah 42, where God proclaimed that Israel would be a light to the Gentile nations. You know, some mystical Jewish scholars even believed that the menorah, the lamp of God, represented the primordial tree of life. Now, Christian theologians accept the Jewish interpretations to a point, but they go on to show that the light of truth and glory came into the world through Jesus, the Messiah of the Jewish nation, the Jewish Messiah, born of Mary, Jesus Christ the Lord. Now, Jesus certainly believed this, for he declared boldly, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's quite a statement. You'll find that in John chapter 8, verse 12. And I, I do want to comment on this and other things that Jesus said. But first, I need to elaborate just a little bit more on 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 to 5. Moses had died about 300 years before Samuel heard the voice of God. And the first of the great prophets, Elijah, only came on the scene 190 years or so after that. So between Moses and Elijah was a period of about 450 years, a period during which the word of God was indeed rare. Then from the time of Elijah onwards, many prophets brought words of God to the people of Israel. But then there was again divine silence between the last of them, Malachi, and the birth of Jesus. 400 years later in Nazareth. In the opening verses of the book of Hebrews, it describes how this echoing 400-year silence was indeed broken. Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 3 records, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So look, in a general sense, the Bible constitutes the lamp of God, the word of God. But more specifically, that description belongs to one alone, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to how John chapter 1 verses 1 to 5 and verses 10 to 14 express this glorious truth. It reads as follows. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This lamp of God, this light of the world, this Jesus of Nazareth, had much to say about his mission to, and the people's response to him. But I want to highlight just a few of his pronouncements. Let me start with John chapter 8, verse 12, where Jesus is recorded as saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now look, he, he did not say that he had just come to bring light or to teach about the light. He said, I am the light. He said that he himself was the light. And then he went on to claim that those who followed him, his disciples, would have the light of life and would never walk in darkness. Then Mark chapter 5 verse 14 confirms this, where it records Jesus as saying, You are the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world, then to his disciples, and because you are my disciples, you too are the light of the world. Now, the centrality of Jesus in this is of the greatest importance. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ presented himself as the light, as the only Savior. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, John 14, 6. And then he went on to claim categorically, no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the only source of eternal light and life. And he's the only means to it. No other person, nor any philosophy, or religion, or teaching can substitute for him. Now, just as the priests of old tended the lamp of God in the tabernacle, so we, today's disciples, are to keep it alight in this world, in our world. However, to be light bearers in this dark world, we need to be one with the source of light, Jesus Christ. And for this to happen, we need first to be born again of his spirit. You know, this is why he told the old man Nicodemus, the learned old man Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. John 3 verses 3 and 5. Now, something else that Jesus said to his disciples was this. You are going to have the light just a little longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, that you may become sons of light. That's John chapter 12, verses 35 to 36. Now, this applied to his very first followers, obviously, but it also applies to us today. You see, Jesus has continued to be present in the world, in and through his church, his band of disciples, his covenant people. Spiritually regenerated men and women have access to him and his light. Additionally, whether they acknowledge it or not, it is the light that illuminates the world of the unregenerated as well. But what if the time was soon coming when his church, his spirit, and his presence was no longer in the world? 
what if in this sense the lamp the lamp of God went out now this eventually actually is a a biblical certainty and the rapture of believers in the end times is something that most professing Christians believe Jesus certainly referred to it in Matthew 24 verse 31 and Paul wrote about it in 1 Thessalonians 4 5 to 18 and several other places so it's not a matter of if but when when the lamp of God goes out in the world there will be nothing to dispel the darkness and no way for those remaining in the world to find the light Jesus also said as long as it is day we must do the work of him who sent me night is coming when no one can work while I, I am in the world I am the light of the world John 9 4 and 5 so look here's the kernel of what I want to say the world is a very dark place and it's getting exponentially darker yeah I know our parents and our grandparents observed the darkness of their time and believed that the end of all things was near and the world just went on spinning however this current COVID-19 pandemic is just the latest in an accelerating series of events that seems to be leading inexorably to a dark conclusion and you you know what we haven't even seen the worst of it yet yeah I'm not just talking of healthy and economics and politics and war I'm also speaking about the moral ethical and spiritual catastrophe that is upon the world the night is coming yet we who know Jesus still have the light of life now in broad terms the typical secular person tries to drive back the darkness with social and political and economic reform and we've heard and read a lot about that lately the socialist perceives darkness as the product of nationalistic oppression and seems to seeks to eradicate it and we've heard a lot about that certainly in South Africa the academic sees darkness as a product of ignorance and tries to remedy it with education the religious person typically tries to displace it with right ritual and dogma which in my opinion is an equally stygian form of darkness not one of these recognized the darkness for what it is and not one has the counter to it spiritual darkness you see is the absence of spiritual light and Jesus Christ is the only one who can dispel it by his presence so what can we do at this time when the clock of destiny lies at 10 seconds to midnight the answer must surely be that those who are children of the light need to proclaim the light in every way possible those who know Jesus need to introduce others to him as a matter of urgent priority will this prevent the end of which Jesus and the biblical prophets and teachers spoke no it may push the peak down the curve a little you know along the timeline much like the coronavirus did in the lockdown but that's about all nevertheless unlike the terrible pandemics that are set to sweep the globe still there is a better world coming for those who believe 
You see, for those who die in the Lord, they await an eternity in His presence. And for those who are still alive when the end comes, there awaits His glorious appearance and His catching up into heaven to be with Him. But for those who still embrace the darkness, there is only an even deeper eternal night ahead. Please hear me correctly. I am not saying that we should all evangelize and do nothing else. You know, leave our jobs if we've got them, sell up all our assets and so on. I'm not saying that. Because part of being light bearers is to shed light in word and deed within our own circles of influence. Ephesians 5 verses 8 to 9 doesn't end with the words, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. But it continues, live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, goodness, righteousness, and truth. So providing for the hungry, for the homeless, for the distressed, and the lonely are ways of shining the light they truly are. However, these good deeds are palliative, and there's as much pain relief as medication for a terminally ill patient. No, the only cure for spiritual darkness is radical soul surgery, death to the old, and rebirth of the spirit. And this comes only through a regenerative encounter with Jesus Christ. I'm also not suggesting that we should all abandon our abilities and influences to become evangelists. No, God calls only some to be evangelists. But we are all called to be witnesses, and we all have ability and influence. We influence our families, our businesses, our social media networks, and so on. We also have abilities, and these abilities can both be the means and the arena for witnessing. Now, in this age of darkness, now, in this age of darkness, is our time to shine out Jesus in the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I and many others have been praying for and writing about revival for several years. And I believe we should continue to ask God to send a Holy Spirit, Jesus-centered revival upon our nations. You see, when God sends revival upon His church, then Christians come alive and start to witness with passion. And through them, many people come to know Jesus as Savior and as Lord. Now, some call this inspired outreach. Some call it preaching the gospel. And others call it evangelism. But I call it witnessing to the reality of who Jesus is and how to be born again of his Spirit. And the way to witness is not to preach at people or to bash them with biblical texts or to swamp them with religiosity or pseudo-spirituality. The way to witness is to give testimony through lifestyle, words, and acts of compassion to a personal, real, and eternal relationship with Jesus. Moreover, if this witness is to affect the eternal destinies of others, then it must be both inbreathed by the Holy Spirit and accompanied by a Bible-based articulation of how to experience a spiritual rebirth. We need to act in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but we need to explain to people how they too may be born again of the Spirit 
and filled with His Spirit and become His disciples and witnesses. And guys, that's it. And that's all of it. <laughs> Over the years, people have sometimes asked me, why is our church so Jesus-centered? And why he is, is he at the core of almost every sermon I preach and book or article I write? And it's because an enduring relationship with Jesus Christ is what matters most. That's it. And that's all of it. However, there's just so much I want to say. But I do need to conclude by recounting what I believe the Holy Spirit prompted me to write down before dawn one morning recently. Now I'm going to try and keep this as close as I can to how I jotted it down at the time. It was this. We are not going to help those living in darkness by threat, coercion or religious argument, but by shining light. When light is present, then darkness ceases to exist. So when light advances, then darkness retreats. There is but one true light. It is not science, politics or religion. It is Jesus Christ. And all those born again of the Spirit are light bearers. It is a great responsibility and entrustment to be light bearers. But it is what God expects us to be. Those who know Jesus are children of the light, and He is the light. The light of Jesus does not consist of what He taught or modeled, for these are the emanations of His light. He in Himself is the light, the source of the radiance that proceeds from Him. The light we shine into the darkness is the light of the Spirit of Christ within us that points like a neon arrow to the person of Jesus himself. To shine the light we reveal Jesus by the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit. To be light in the darkness, we do not need to be able to answer all questions or provide solutions to every problem posed. We just need to know Jesus, be filled with his Spirit, and live out our destinies as children of the light. However, the problem is that most people will not understand or receive this truth. You know, when Jesus came into the world 2,000 years ago, he shone in the darkness, but the darkness neither understood nor received him. When we speak today of being the light, people still will not understand. It sounds ridiculous to them and actually annoys them, I think. Most people want to be given a material way through their darkness, and they cannot conceive of someone, even Jesus, being the light, or others being his light bearers. It strikes them as pathetically impractical, super spiritual, and actually even a little daft. Yet, it is our calling and privilege to present the truth in whatever way we can. When Jesus walked this earth, most rejected him and what he said. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. I believe that for every, say, 100 who hear and reject, there will be perhaps 30 who hear and believe. Now, there is a bright little gem glowing at the heart of the 1 Samuel 3 passage, 
with which I started this talk. The place where Eli trained Samuel to tend the lamp of God was, as I mentioned, called Shiloh. And this word had its origin in the great messianic prophecy of Genesis 49 verse 10. And it points like an illuminated sign to none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. <laughs> so to my fellow children of light, I repeat the words of Isaiah the prophet, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3. And finally, to those who do not yet know Jesus as Messiah and the light of life, I plead with you with all urgency, wake up, O sleeper, arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Ephesians 5, verse 14. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pebbler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, truth is the word.